Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Anybody got GPS? Got GPS? Do you ever smile at yourself when you get to where you're going? And that lady at the dashboard says, you have arrived. You know why I snicker when I hear that? Because that's the only way that I've arrived, Scott. I hadn't gotten there yet. And that's what Paul is saying in this text, Jim. He says, I haven't gotten there yet. I don't count myself that I've laid hold of everything. But he said, he says this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going to do one thing, Sheila. And he, I would have expected an apostle to say prayer, fasting, worshiping, reading the Bible, speaking with other tongues, uh, fellowshipping with the people of God, being faithful. That's not what he said, Jay. He said, one thing I do is I rip off the rearview mirror and I focus on the windshield. Because in front of me is everything that God has called me to be. I don't know what's behind you today. Some of you, I know a little bit of your story, but none of us knows what each of us knows about each of our rearview mirrors. But I'm gonna tell you something today. You would do well to take the Apostle Paul's advice and to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is focusing on the Lord has goodness in front of you if you will follow after it. He's got holiness in front of you if you'll follow after it. He's got peace in front of you if you'll follow after it because there's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And we don't get that by getting a crick in our neck, looking behind us, remembering every mistake that we've ever made and remembering every hurt that we've ever received from others. Today's message, the man who remembered too much. The man who remembered too much. Lord, we're asking you in the name of Jesus to bless our hearts and our ears as we hear your word. But Lord, not only during the time of the hearing, we want to pray a prospective prayer, an anticipatory prayer. And today we're asking you to bless our lives that having heard your word, we will become doers of your word. And that having heard what you've said to us, that we would enact it in our lives, that we may have the fruit and the benefit of the seeds that you are planting today through your holy word and your holy spirit. And the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Yesterday, anybody remember yesterday? It was a beautiful morning for fishing. A beautiful morning for fishing. I had one appointment on my calendar all day long. 2.30, 2 o'clock, somewhere around there. I was supposed to have a phone call. And uh, that was it. Jana was home with the boys. We were, you know, at some point we are going to eat. At some point we are going to play with the kids. At some point we are probably going to watch a mystery show or something, you know. But... We didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to be anywhere. Anybody ever have one of those golden days? You didn't have anywhere to be. You could just relax a little bit. And I had texted my friend Preston because yesterday was a beautiful day for fishing. And Brother Mark Moser, in our kindness calendar, as it says on the 10th, I'm sure you all have one of these on your fridge, and the 10th it says, use a gift or a talent to share with someone else. This guy over here has a gift and a talent for fishing. I have been with him before. We have wreaked havoc upon the brim and the bass of Shelby County together. He even has a cooler on it that on the label in Sharpie marker, it says King Aquarium. <laughs> and that's where good fish go to meet Crisco. <laughs> and all week long, I had dreamed this day would come and I'd hoped it would be there. And I was looking forward to it with excitement. And we made a time to meet. We made a location. and We got together and I made the best egg sandwich I've ever made. 
And I don't know if you would have thought it was the best, but it's the best one I've ever made. And it's the best one I've ever had. Now, don't, we're not headed for the courts, uh, for, for a divorce court. Jana's never made me an egg sandwich, so I'm safe right now. As far as I can remember, she has. When she makes one, that'll be the best one I've ever had. But until she does, this was the best one I've ever made. We had it. We got ready for fishing, and uh, we didn't go to our usual pond. He said, I'm going to take you somewhere different. We, we got twisted and turned and backwards and round. I said, how far are we going? He said, five miles as a crow flies. I said, about 50 as the truck rolls. He said, you know, maybe seven and a half. We got there to the place and we got our gear together and all of this. And I, I got all my lures and I got everything. And I got, I had my little, got my little short, cute fishing jacket on, you know, $29.99. You two can look like Bill Dance. And I was ready to go and, and I had it all. I was ready, Jim. Looked in the bed of the truck and I had done what I usually do, something stupid. I forgot my fishing rod. How could I do that, Brother Jose? I forgot my fishing rod. Have you ever wished you had more memory? I'm sure none of y'all do dumb things, like forget where your car keys are. I, I, I forgot where my glasses were the other day. That's a tragedy for me because I can't see to find them. So I have, you know, I'm blind Bartimaeus around the house. And I, fortunately, I had my contacts. I had those. I, I was able to, but I couldn't remember where those glasses are. It upset me. This morning, I couldn't remember where I put my computer charger cord. And I thought, oh, my goodness, because my computer was dead and my sermon was on it. So y'all almost got by with a two-and-a-half-hour sermon or a two-minute sermon, depending, you know. And so I didn't, my notes were on that. You know, so I forget where things are. And if I had more memory, maybe, maybe I could do better. You said maybe you'd like to have more memory at certain times. But today's sermon is a cautionary tale. Be careful what you wish for. It's possible, Brother Mullins, to remember too much. It's possible to have too good of a memory. It's possible, Brother Mosier, total recall isn't necessarily a blessing. As a child, I was a member of a Bible memorization program. It's called Junior Bible Quizzing. Uh, if you've ever heard of it, it's a magnificent program. Uh, children, uh, they learn entire chapters or books of the Bible. Then they come and they're asked questions, kind of like a little knowledge bowl type thing. They, they have buzzers and, and they make, you know, they ask questions. And the kids are so smart that you say, according to John 17 and 17, what? And they'll interrupt and make the question and then answer it. It, it is amazing for learning and, and training the mind. You couldn't construct a better program for training the spirit of the child because of the, the word of God, but also the mind of an adult. I, I remember getting to college, my first test in my hardest class, which was introductory biology by Mrs. Elsie Smith. She gave out a memorization test for the weekend and a big groan went over the entire classroom because they were worried about memorizing that stuff for the weekend. And, and I don't mean to sound like a smart aleck here, but when I saw that list of stuff, because I'd never been to college. None of my family had ever finished college on, on my mother's side. I, we, where we grew up, college was something you watched on TV with a basketball game. I, I, didn't know anything, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about classes or hours. And Alexander, I looked at that list and I thought, is this all there is? Because my mind had been trained to memorize, even from a child in, in terms of scriptures and things. And, and then when I got to, uh, to theological training, uh, my New Testament foundation was very strong, even because I trained my mind that way. It was amazing how many facts the human brain can store. There are techniques for remembering. Uh, when we memorized, I just, I would just go over it and, and memorize it. When I got to professional school, I learned that there's a thing called mnemonic devices and you can remember the first letters of different things. And then some people who are super smart, if you've ever watched any Sherlock Holmes or read some of those books or whatever, he'd got something called a memory palace where every fact goes in a certain place. And, there's a guy, there's a program on TV called The Mentalist, and, and he kind of, he'll go through his mind where he puts certain things, and that's the way he remembers things. Dale Carnegie talks about memory tricks and devices. But memorizing things is vastly different from remembering events. Memorizing facts, it's different from knowing events. I want to get a response here, and no dumb answers, just guess. How many things... Brother Mullins, do you think you can remember in a year? How many events? If I say 1992, and I sat you in a room with a blank legal pad, and you could write down everything you can remember from 1992, how many events do you think you remember? 
He either said three, 30, 30,000, or okay. <laughs> What's another guess? How many, how many events you think you can remember from a year? If, if I say 2010, how many events you think you can remember? I was shocked at this number. I was shocked at this number. I thought it would be hundreds. But the researchers tell us, psychologists tell us, you remember on average 10 events from a given calendar year. 365 days and you can remember 10 things out of the year. Isn't that amazing? I guess when you die, you know about 750 things. That's about it. <laughs> we don't remember much. And not as much as we maybe think we do. It comes to remembering events, we just, we don't, we don't remember. We forget our default setting as human beings is forgetting. Our default setting for our computer system upstairs is to forget things. Our brains are wired not to store things away for future reference, but to move on quickly to the next experience. And there's a scientific reason for that. There are huge amounts of data that your brain is processing right now to help you understand what's going on in this moment. And your brain only has so much computing power, so instead of remembering everything, Sheila, it just kind of wipes that clean and you get your screensaver up and you, you're focused on right now. That's how our brains work. There's a psychological reasoning for that. We have a bias when it comes to the past. We tend to over-exaggerate and misassign the emotional meaning of past experiences. The good that we remember is sometimes better than it actually was. Nobody can cook okra like my mother could. Nobody can do this like that. Nobody can. And the good old days, you ever heard that phrase? Sometimes the good old days were not all that great, but we remember them that way, right? And the Israelites, sometimes we forget things. Remember when the Israelites turned to Moses, Brother Moser, and they said, we wish we were back in Egypt because we had all the onions we could want. They misremembered things. They didn't attach the right meaning to being slaves. They felt very differently when they told Moses, you're going to get us killed because now we've got to make our bricks and get our straw. They forgot about the whip and the lash. They forgot about the overseer who literally would beat men and women to death. They forgot about the infanticide where the, 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 the Egyptian... Uh, King had declared that the midwives were to kill infant boys when they were born to the Hebrew people because they wanted to keep them under their thumb. They forgot all that and their memory was all about the onions. Let me tell you something. If the best thing you can remember about a year is an onion, that was a bad year. Oh, I miss the onions. That's, that's ludicrous. What in the world? I miss the onions. There's a spiritual reason that we don't have, need to stay focused on the past. The fact is, we don't always remember things as they are. We're pretty unreliable witnesses when it comes to the past. They will tell you of people who are exonerated with DNA evidence for crimes. Of people who are exonerated and they, they clear them and they say that you're now innocent because of DNA evidence. They say that 75% of those people were convicted because of eyewitness testimony. Because people think they saw and they remember seeing something that actually didn't happen. Because we misremember things. I'm talking about the man who remembered too much. You know, our brains don't work like DVRs. It's, it's, a, it's a scientific fact. They work more like a library of books full of stories. And we're the storyteller and we tell things that we think happened in the past. When you remember something, Rebecca, you're actually not remembering an event. You're remembering how you remember the event. You're calling up your version of the story. That doesn't make you a liar. It makes you a human. And what you're remembering is the way you remember it. And, and I've had that experience. Well, you remember that time that so-and-so? Well, that's not actually... That, it, you know what I'm and we misremember things. The enemy can sometimes use our memory like a carnival funhouse mirror that distorts reality in ways we don't even recognize until we look back on events, not as they actually were, but as we remember them. Sometimes the enemy can use this fact about us to distort our memory. 
And sometimes when we're looking back, what we're actually seeing is not what happened, but what we think is what happened. That's the case for most of us. Most of us are pretty unreliable in our memory. But it wasn't the case for Solomon. Solomon Sheroshevsky is known as the man who remembered too much. He was born in 1886 in a little Jewish village. He grew up in the 1920s as a young man. He was a newspaper reporter. And his newspaper editor fussed at him, Sister Sheila, because in the morning when the newspaper editor gave out the assignments to all the reporters, Scott, he'd just sit there just like I am right now, his hands in his pocket, watching. And all the other reporters, the little Clark Kents, were sitting there scribbling down their assignments for today. You go to the mayor's office. You go to the fire department's office. You, you go to this business deal. You do this. And he wouldn't take any notes. The editor fussed at him until Solomon recited word for word every instruction not only that he had given to him, but to every reporter. Solomon had what we call a photographic memory. There's actually a condition for it. It's called highly superior autobiographical memory, HSAM, or hyperthymesia. Don't get up on the medical ease. He just remembered everything. He could memorize lists of hundreds of numbers, and he wouldn't miss a one. He'd just go through it because he could, he could remember everything. How many of you would like to be Solomon if you had a test to take? You wouldn't have to look at any manuals, Brother Jim. Just read it once. You got it. Just look at it. You got it. You can remember everything Sheila told you to pick up from the store. Think of all the conflict that could be avoided in our lives. We can just remember everything. Wouldn't that be awesome? I had to text my wife, you know. A friend of mine on social media yesterday posted... The majority of the text in my marriage consists of me texting my wife pictures of things from the grocery store and saying, is this it? <laughs> if you were Solomon, you wouldn't have to do that. You could remember everything. It's the opposite of amnesia. You see, Solomon's problem was not that people with his condition can't remember. It's that they can't forget. And he had such amazing potential. We talked about his notes as a news reporter. We talked about remembering things. Get this. The psychologist who studied Solomon found that not only could he remember hundreds of lists of things and numbers and recall them verbatim, she actually studied him 15 years later and he remembered the list from 15 years ago. He was like a computer that never needs to reboot. Incredible. Incredible. But here's the problem that Solomon had. He couldn't forget anything. Awesome. He couldn't forget anything. Terrible. Because everything that Solomon went through that painful, I told you he was a Jewish boy born in 1886. How would you like to be 47 years old as a Jewish man when Adolf Hitler came into power in Germany? How would you like to go through seeing a culture destroyed and friends and neighbors and relatives of yours placed in concentration camps or lose their businesses. Solomon couldn't forget anything. And the worst experiences of his life, he always remembered in excruciating detail. His head was so packed full of things that he could remember all those things, Scott, but he couldn't assign any meaning to any of them. If you ask him like one, two, three, four, two, three, four, five, three, four, five, six, what is different about every one of these numbers? He couldn't tell you. He could call off the numbers like this. He could remember everything, Alexander, but he couldn't assign meaning to anything because his brain was so jam-packed full of facts. And every excruciating detail of every bad day of his life, Solomon held on to. It became such a burden, Brother Mosher, that he actually tried not to remember things anymore. He tried to find ways to forget. He would visualize, he would visualize chalkboards full of information in his mind. And Jay, in his mind, he would visualize seeing everything erased off that chalkboard, trying to get things out of his memory. He, he, he visualized things being written down on pieces of paper and those pieces of paper being ripped up or being burned. Later in life, Solomon actually turned to writing down the things in his head and he would take little trash cans and he would set those pieces of paper on 
fire in order that he could smell the cinders burning and feel the soot in his hand in a desperate attempt to get some things out of his mind because he was haunted by a memory that wouldn't quit. He was the man who remembered too much. And in a desperate attempt to get rid of those things, he would try all of this and he was unsuccessful at doing it. Solomon died of alcoholism because he wanted to, he wanted to kill a beautiful mind that wouldn't stop. He wanted to end a, 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 a transcendent brain that made him remember too much. And so he took to the bottle to dull his sensations and his acuity of memory. Solomon's problem was he couldn't get rid of the rearview mirror. And it grew so large that he couldn't see his windshield. His past overwhelmed his present to the point that he felt he had no future. And so he slowly killed himself because he could not live with a machine inside his head that would not allow him to move beyond the pain of his past. Fortunately, only 60 people in the world at any one time have Solomon's problem to where it overwhelms their mind. But I tell you of a truth today, Brother Garcia, there's a little bit of Solomon in every one of us. It may not overwhelm our entire mind, Sheila, but there are memories that we have sometimes that we cling to that we would be better off if we could picture that chalkboard erasing, if we could picture those things being written down. In fact, if we got out a legal pad and even burned it in the backyard with a little lighter fluid, we might look weird to the neighbors. We might need to pull a burn permit to do it. But if we could get rid of some of the things that we hold on to, Mary, it would help us because everybody has some areas in their life that they remember in too much detail. Everybody has some circumstances where we remember too much. Past mistakes and sins, stupid, ignorant, foolish things that we have done. If only I had done this, if only I hadn't done that. There's a little bit of Solomon that goes down that trail and haunts us to where we think yesterday is always going to determine today and it's going to cancel tomorrow because we can't be, get beyond what's in the rear view mirror. Past hurts that someone else has laid on you. If only he had just done this. If only she just hadn't said that. I stand before you today not preaching theory, but in my own life, there have been circumstances where I have hurt others and where others have hurt me. And if I cling to those memories and I hold on to that memory of the past and I hold on to that version of everything and I put that front and center in front of me, I can't see where I'm going because I see where I've been. Paul. Paul gave a solution in our text today. He said, I haven't mastered everything. But I got a laser focus on one thing, Brother Mullins. It's not speaking in more tongues. Although Paul said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than any of them. He said, it's not fastings. And I've been in fastings. It's not sacrifice and suffering. And I've done my share of that. It's not even prayer. And I'm telling you to pray without ceasing. It's not even thankfulness. And I'm telling you to give thanks in all things. What I'm telling you to focus on is forgetting. He said, in essence, I've got some things that I cannot afford to be Solomon Cherisevsky about. I've got some things that I can't afford to have a great memory about. I've got to forget them. I've got to put them behind me. Because if I keep them in front of me, they're going to destroy me. And if I have a future in Christ, if I'm going to meet the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, I'm going to have to take the rearview mirror and I'm going to have to put it in the past. I've got to put it in its place because I've got to get to the future. I've got to get to where the Lord wants me to get. There are more people that need the gospel. There are more churches that need to be planted. There are more Timothys that need to be mentored. There are more Tituses that need instruction. There are more John Marks that need to be restored. There are more people that need healing. There are more people that need encouragement. There are more people that, have, that need strength. And so I can't afford to play the memory game. I can't afford to sit around like Barbara Streisand and sing the way we were because I've got to get to the way that I need to be. And I've got to have a memory that is subject to the cross of Christ. Paul, what was it like holding Stephen's coat? Holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen. What was it like, Paul, hearing the screams as you entered those homes and you took people off to jail just for worshiping Jesus? 
He remembered. He said, Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I remember, but I've got to put it behind me. I've got to put it where it belongs. I've got to move beyond yesterday in order that God can get me from today to where I need to be. Paul's word is interesting for forgetting. It's a compound Greek word. And in the middle, Brother Jay, it contains the word Thanos, which is for death or for sleep. And that word that he says, the forgetting, it means, Sister Irma, to neglect something. I've got a plant that's right above our our, uh, sink in our house. And I forget to water it sometimes. I'm sorry for all you horticulturalists. I'm not perfect. I forget sometimes. And it will die down almost to the ground. But if I water it, it comes back. Let me tell you something. There are some hurts in your life that you need to stop watering. There are some experiences that you need to start neglecting. Because if you neglect things, they will die. But if you nurture things, they will live. And it behooves the Christian to neglect some things in his life. It behooves the Christian to neglect some memories in her life in order that those things will die. Put the past where it belongs with God. Put the past where it belongs. Confess your sins and put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. Every time you remember those sins, thank God that you now live in the righteousness of Christ. Well, you don't understand, Brother Clay. No, I don't. But he understands. And he's the one who said, you can take my righteousness and I'll take my righteousness off. And you can put it on and you can wear it as your coat because I will give you my righteousness since yours is not enough. Every time you remember your sin, remember his righteousness. Every time you remember that, put that memory with the reality of Jesus' blood that was shed for you. What about what you didn't do? What about what they did? It's time to forgive past hurts and to put them, put all of those in the hands of God's justice. Let me tell you something. Can I just be very plain right now? You are not qualified to be a judge. You are not qualified to determine what punishment needs to be meted out. I am not qualified to determine who did what to whom, when, why, wherefore, and everything else. We don't know people. We don't know their challenges. We don't know everything else. We're not qualified to be judges in the matter. What we are qualified to do is to be a witness of the reconciliatory and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. I am qualified for Satan to be under my feet. So I don't... I don't deserve to have anybody under my thumb, but I am standing in Christ and Satan can be under my feet today. For those that have hurt me, I release them to God's judgment and I release them to God's mercy. And I am compelled, Brother Garcia, by Scripture to pray for God's mercy because I've been granted mercy. I am compelled to ask God for my enemy's sake that they be redeemed. I'm compelled by that, but I'm going to release that to God because that is way above my pay grade and it's time for me to forget those things. I need to de-Solomonize those things. I need to, to be like Paul and do more forgetting and, and, and be less like Solomon and I need to do less remembering. Number two. So number one, we're going to put the past where it belongs. We're going to, we're going to release the hurts. We're going to we remember God's forgiveness for what we've done. And secondly, Fill your mind with goodness. Romans 12 and 2 said, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now don't raise your hand if you know that every now and then it'd be nice to have some of these, you know, crows. Everybody talks about renewal creams and all of them, you know, and you know, exfoliation is wrong. I don't want to be right, you know. We all would like to. We'd all like to be renewed a little bit from time. Jay, you don't know anything about that. <laughs> Alexander, you're way too young. Preston, you think you woke up handsome. But let me tell you something. There'll come a day when there's, there's not enough shape and cream in the world to you know, take all the crow's feet. You know, we'd like to be renewed in our physical appearance a little bit. And, and you're all beautiful. I'm, I'm just making a, a point here. But the truth is, we need our mind renewed a lot more then we need any skin treatment or any, any, any new clothing or something like that. We need to renew our mind in the Holy Spirit. We need to renew ourselves every day in the strength of God and what He brings to us. 
How about what David said? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. If you put good things in your mind, it'll push the bad things out. If you will put the benefits of God in your memory and remember the thing. If you have anxiety, if you're dealing with... I don't don't want to minimize any circumstance that you're facing. But let me tell you, if you're struggling with anxiety and you're struggling with depression, it might be a good thing. Just get you out a piece of paper and start writing down some good things that God has done for you. And I'm not saying everything will go away, but I'm going to tell you something. If you put those good things in and you begin to meditate on those things and you open up your mouth and begin to thank the Lord for those things, I promise you, your emotions will change a little bit and, 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 and things will, will, will you, you'll begin to meditate on how good God is. Finally, brethren, whatever things are, are pure, lovely, good report, virtue and praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. We neglect the hurts of the past. We neglect the things that we've given to God to take care of. We let them die. But this word for think on these things, Jim, it actually means to calculate like you're adding it up. We need to focus, Mary, on the goodness of God. We need to, remember that song, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It's an old song, but it's a good one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. See. He's already done it. But sometimes we're walking around thinking, oh man, what I did yesterday was so awful. Oh, what I had done to me 3,000 years ago was so terrible. Oh, I can't, oh, I'm never going to get over this. The the devil's not going to allow me to get by with that. Oh, God's going to hate me because of what, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Can you remember? And we walk around blinded to what God has done. Because we become Solomon and we remember too much. Paul would urge us today as Christians, forget those things that are behind you. Neglect those things. Open up your eyes to what the Lord has already done in your life. The faithfulness that he's already done. Because he's going to do it again and again and again and again. He's going to keep his promises. He's going to take you to where you need to go. You're going to make heaven your home if you will stay with the Lord. Would you stand with me today? The man who remembered too much... Solomon was the man who remembered too much. Solomon, Shereshevsky. God rest his soul. I hope he found the Lord. I hope he found peace with God in his life. But he suffered because he couldn't forget. And I'm pleading with you today. I'm pleading with you today. Remember the things of God. And let the other stuff go. You can't change it. If you've got somebody you need to apologize to, by all means, do it. If you've got something you need to repent of, by all means, I urge you. I'd get on my knees today and beg you, do it. But once you've done that, you've done all you can do. And you've got to leave the past with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you've got to leave your present with the Lord who is with you today. Let's just lift our hands right now. And let's ask the Lord to be Lord of our minds. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Anybody got GPS? Got GPS? Do you ever smile at yourself when you get to where you're going and that lady at the dashboard says, You have arrived. You know why I snicker when I hear that? Because that's the only way that I've arrived, Scott. I hadn't gotten there yet. And that's what Paul is saying in this text, Jim. He says, I haven't gotten there yet. I don't count myself that I've laid hold of everything. But he said, he says this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going to do one thing, Sheila. And he, I would have expected an apostle to say prayer, fasting, worshiping, reading the Bible, speaking with other tongues, uh, fellowshipping with the people of God, being faithful. That's not what he said, Jay. He said, one thing I do is I rip off the rearview mirror and I focus on the windshield. Because in front of me is everything that God has called me to be.
I don't know what's behind you today. Some of you, I know a little bit of your story, but none of us knows what each of us knows about each of our rearview mirrors. But I'm gonna tell you something today. You would do well to take the Apostle Paul's advice and to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is focusing on the Lord has goodness in front of you if you will follow after it. He's got holiness in front of you if you'll follow after it. He's got peace in front of you if you'll follow after it because there's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And we don't get that by getting a crick in our neck, looking behind us, remembering every mistake that we've ever made and remembering every hurt that we've ever received from others. Today's message, the man who remembered too much. The man who remembered too much. Lord, we're asking you in the name of Jesus to bless our hearts and our ears as we hear your word. But Lord, not only during the time of the hearing, we want to pray a prospective prayer, an anticipatory prayer. And today we're asking you to bless our lives that having heard your word, we will become doers of your word. And that having heard what you've said to us, that we would enact it in our lives, that we may have the fruit and the benefit of the seeds that you are planting today through your holy word and your holy spirit. And the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Yesterday, anybody remember yesterday? It was a beautiful morning for fishing. A beautiful morning for fishing. I had one appointment on my calendar all day long. 2.30, 2 o'clock, somewhere around there. I was supposed to have a phone call. And uh, that was it. Jana was home with the boys. We were, you know, at some point we are going to eat. At some point we are going to play with the kids. At some point we are probably going to watch a mystery show or something, you know. But we didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to be anywhere. Anybody ever have one of those golden days? You didn't have anywhere to be. You could just relax a little bit. And I had texted my friend Preston because yesterday was a beautiful day for fishing. And Brother Mark Moser, in our kindness calendar, as it says on the 10th, I'm sure you all have one of these on your fridge, and the 10th it says, use a gift or a talent to share with someone else. This guy over here has a gift and a talent for fishing. I have been with him before. We have wreaked havoc upon the brim and the bass of Shelby County together. He even has a cooler on it that on the label in Sharpie marker, it says King Aquarium. <laughs> and that's where good fish go to meet Crisco. <laughs> and all week long, I had dreamed this day would come and I'd hoped it would be there. And I was looking forward to it with excitement. And we made a time to meet. We made a location. and We got together and I made the best egg sandwich I've ever made. And I don't know if you would have thought it was the best, but it's the best one I've ever made. And it's the best one I've ever had. Now, don't, we're not headed for the courts, uh, for, for a divorce court. Jana's never made me an egg sandwich, so I'm safe right now. As far as I can remember, she has. When she makes one, that'll be the best one I've ever had. But until she does, this was the best one I've ever made. We had it. We got ready for fishing. And uh, we didn't go to our usual pond. He said, I'm going to take you somewhere different. We, we got twisted and turned and backwards and round. I said, how far are we going? He said, five miles as a crow flies. I said, about 50 as the truck rolls. He said, you know, maybe seven and a half. We got there to the place and we got our gear together and all of this. And I, I got all my lures and I got everything. And I got, I had my little, got my little short, cute fishing jacket on, you know, $29.99. You two can look like Bill Dance. And I was ready to go and... <laughs> And I had it all. I was ready, Jim. Looked in the bed of the truck, and I had done what I usually do, something stupid. I forgot my fishing rod. How could I do that, Brother Jose? I forgot my fishing rod. Have you ever wished you had more memory? I'm sure none of y'all do dumb things, like forget where your car keys are. I, I, I forgot where my glasses were the other day. That's a tragedy for me because I can't see to find them. So I have, you know, I'm blind Bartimaeus around the house. And I, fortunately I had my contacts, I had those. I, I was able to, 
But I couldn't remember where those glasses are. It upset me. This morning, I couldn't remember where I put my computer charger cord. And I thought, oh my goodness, because my computer was dead and my sermon was on it. So y'all almost got by with a two and a half hour sermon or a two minute sermon, depending, you know. And so I didn't, my notes were on that. You know, so I forget where things are. And if I had more memory, maybe, maybe I could do better. You said maybe you'd like to have more memory at certain times. But today's sermon is a cautionary tale. Be careful what you wish for. It's possible, Brother Mullins, to remember too much. It's possible to have too good of a memory. It's possible, Brother Mosier, total recall isn't necessarily a blessing. As a child, I was a member of a Bible memorization program. It's called Junior Bible Quizzing. Uh, if you've ever heard of it, it's a magnificent program. Uh, children, uh, they learn entire chapters or books of the Bible. Then they come and they're asked questions, kind of like a little knowledge bowl type thing. They, they have buzzers and, and they make you know, they ask questions and the kids are so smart that you say, according to John 17 and 17, what? And they'll interrupt and make the question and then answer it. It, it is amazing for learning and, and training the mind. You couldn't construct a better program for training the spirit of the child because of the, the word of God, but also the mind of an adult. I, I remember getting to college, my first test in my hardest class, which was introductory biology by Mrs. Elsie Smith. She gave out a memorization test for the weekend and a big groan went over the entire classroom because they were worried about memorizing that stuff for the weekend. And, and I don't mean to sound like a smart aleck here, but when I saw that list of stuff, because I'd never been to college. None of my family had ever finished college on, on my mother's side. I, we, where we grew up, college was something you watched on TV with a basketball game. I, I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't know anything about classes or hours. And Alexander, I looked at that list and I thought, is this all there is? Because my mind had been trained to memorize, even from a child in, in terms of scriptures and things. And, and then when I got to, uh, to theological training, uh, my New Testament foundation was very strong, even because I trained my mind that way. It was amazing how many facts the human brain can store. There are techniques for remembering. Uh, when we memorized, I, just, I would just go over it and, and memorize it. When I got to professional school, I learned that there's thing called mnemonic devices and you can remember the first letters of different things and then some people who are super smart if you've ever watched any Sherlock Holmes or read some of those books or whatever he's got something called a memory palace where every fact goes in a certain place and there's a guy there's a program on tv called the mentalist and and he kind of he'll go through his mind where he puts certain things and that's the way he remembers things Dale Carnegie talks about memory tricks and devices but memorizing things is vastly different from remembering events. Memorizing facts, it's different from knowing events. I want to get a response here. And no dumb answers, just guess. How many things, Brother Mullins, do you think you can remember in a year? How many events? If I say 1992, and I sat you in a room with a blank legal pad, and you could write down everything you can remember from 1992, how many events do you think you remember? He either said three, 30, 30,000, or okay. <laughs> What's another guess? How many, how many events you think you can remember from a year? If, if I say 2010, how many events you think you can remember? I was shocked at this number. I was shocked at this number. I thought it would be hundreds. But the researchers tell us, psychologists tell us, you remember on average 10 events from a given calendar year. 365 days and you can remember 10 things out of the year. Isn't that amazing? I guess when you die, you know about 750 things. That's about it. <laughs> we don't remember much. And not as much as we maybe think we do. It comes to remembering events, we just, we don't, we don't remember. We forget our default setting as human beings is forgetting. Our default setting for our computer system upstairs is to forget things. Our brains are wired not to store things away for future reference, but to move on quickly to the next experience. And there's a scientific reason for that. 
There are huge amounts of data that your brain is processing right now to help you understand what's going on in this moment. And your brain only has so much computing power, so instead of remembering everything, Sheila, it just kind of wipes that clean and you get your screensaver up and you, you're focused on right now. That's how our brains work. There's a psychological reasoning for that. We have a bias when it comes to the past. We tend to over-exaggerate and misassign the emotional meaning of past experiences. The good that we remember is sometimes better than it actually was. Nobody can cook okra like my mother could. Nobody can do this like that. Nobody can, and the good old days, you ever heard that phrase? Sometimes the good old days were not all that great, but we remember them that way, right? And the Israelites, sometimes we forget things. Remember when the Israelites turned to Moses? Brother Mosier, and they said, we wish we were back in Egypt because we had all the onions we could want. They misremembered things. They didn't attach the right meaning to being slaves. They felt very differently when they told Moses, you're going to get us killed because now we've got to make our bricks and get our straw. They forgot about the whip and the lash. They forgot about the overseer who literally would beat men and women to death. They forgot about the infanticide where the, 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 the Egyptian uh, king had declared that the midwives were to kill infant boys when they were born to the Hebrew people because they wanted to keep them under their thumb. They forgot all that and their memory was all about the onions. Let me tell you something. If the best thing you can remember about a year is an onion, that was a bad year. Oh, I miss the onions. That's, that's ludicrous. What in the world? I miss the onions. There's a spiritual reason that we don't need to stay focused on the past. The fact is, we don't always remember things as they are. We're pretty unreliable witnesses when it comes to the past. They will tell you of people who are exonerated with DNA evidence for crimes. Of people who are exonerated and they, they clear them and they say that you're now innocent because of DNA evidence. They say that 75% of those people were convicted because of eyewitness testimony. Because people think they saw and they remember seeing something that actually didn't happen. Because we misremember things. I'm talking about the man who remembered too much. You know, our brains don't work like DVRs. It's, it's, a, it's a scientific fact. They work more like a library of books full of stories. And we're the storyteller and we tell things that we think happened in the past. When you remember something, Rebecca, you're actually not remembering an event. You're remembering how you remember the event. You're calling up your version of the story. That doesn't make you a liar. It makes you a human. And what you're remembering is the way you remember it. And, and I've had that experience. Well, you remember that time that so-and-so? Well, that's not actually... That, it, you know what I'm and we misremember things. The enemy can sometimes use our memory like a carnival funhouse mirror that distorts reality in ways we don't even recognize until we look back on events, not as they actually were, but as we remember them. Sometimes the enemy can use this fact about us to distort our memory. And sometimes when we're looking back, what we're actually seeing is not what happened, but what we think is what happened. That's the case for most of us. Most of us are pretty unreliable in our memory. But it wasn't the case for Solomon. Solomon Sheroshevsky is known as the man who remembered too much. He was born in 1886 in a little Jewish village. He grew up in the 1920s as a young man. He was a newspaper reporter and his newspaper editor fussed at him, Sister Sheila, because in the morning when the newspaper editor gave out the assignments to all the reporters, Scott, he'd just sit there just like I am right now, his hands in his pocket, watching. And all the other reporters, the little Clark Kents, were sitting there scribbling down their assignments for today. You go to the mayor's office. You go to the fire department's office. You, you go to this business deal. You do this. And he wouldn't take any notes. The editor fussed at him until Solomon recited word for word every instruction, not only that he had given to him, but to every reporter. Solomon had what we call a photographic 
memory. There's actually a condition for it. It's called highly superior autobiographical memory, HSAM, or hyperthymesia. Don't get up on the medical ease. He just remembered everything. He could memorize lists of hundreds of numbers, and he wouldn't miss a one. He'd just go through it because he could, he could remember everything. How many of you would like to be Solomon if you had a test to take? You wouldn't have to look at any manuals, Brother Jim. Just read it once. You got it. Just look at it. You got it. You can remember everything Sheila told you to pick up from the store. Think of all the conflict that could be avoided in our lives. We can just remember everything. Wouldn't that be awesome? I had to text my wife, you know. A friend of mine on social media yesterday posted, the majority of the text in my marriage consists of me texting my wife pictures of things from the grocery store and saying, is this it? If you were Solomon, you wouldn't have to do that. You could remember everything. It's the opposite of amnesia. You see, Solomon's problem was not that people with his condition can't remember. It's that they can't forget. And he had such amazing potential. We talked about his notes as a news reporter. We talked about remembering things. Get this. The psychologist who studied Solomon found that not only could he remember hundreds of of lists of things and numbers and recall them verbatim. She actually studied him 15 years later and he remembered the list from 15 years ago. He was like a computer that never needs to reboot. Incredible. Incredible. But here's the problem that Solomon had. He couldn't forget anything. Awesome. He couldn't forget anything. Terrible. Because everything that Solomon went through that painful, I told you he was a Jewish boy born in 1886. How would you like to be 47 years old as a Jewish man when Adolf Hitler came into power in Germany? How would you like to go through seeing a culture destroyed and friends and neighbors and relatives of yours placed in concentration camps or lose their businesses? Solomon couldn't forget anything. And the worst experiences of his life he always remembered in excruciating detail. His head was so packed full of things that he could remember all those things, Scott, but he couldn't assign any meaning to any of them. If you ask him like one, two, three, four, two, three, four, five, three, four, five, six, what is different about every one of these numbers, he couldn't tell you. He could call off the numbers like this. He could remember everything, Alexander, but he couldn't assign meaning to anything because his brain was so jam-packed full of facts. And every excruciating detail of every bad day of his life, Solomon held on to. It became such a burden, Brother Mosher, that he actually tried not to remember things anymore. He tried to find ways to forget. He would visualize, he would visualize chalkboards full of information in his mind. And Jay, in his mind, he would visualize seeing everything erased off that chalkboard, trying to get things out of his memory. He, he, he visualized things being written down on pieces of paper and those pieces of paper being ripped up or being burned. Later in life, Solomon actually turned to writing down the things in his head and he would take little trash cans and he would set those pieces of paper on fire in order that he could smell the cinders burning and feel the soot in his hand in a desperate attempt to get some things out of his mind because he was haunted by a memory that wouldn't quit. He was the man who remembered too much. And in a desperate attempt to get rid of those things, he would try all of this and he was unsuccessful at doing it. Solomon died of alcoholism because he wanted to he wanted to kill a beautiful mind that wouldn't stop he wanted to end a, 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 a transcendent brain that made him remember too much and so he took to the bottle to dull his sensations and his acuity of memory Solomon's problem was he couldn't get rid of the rearview mirror and it grew so large that he couldn't see his windshield. His past overwhelmed his present to the point that he felt he had no future. And so he slowly killed himself 
because he could not live with a machine inside his head that would not allow him to move beyond the pain of his past. Fortunately, only 60 people in the world at any one time have Solomon's problem to where it overwhelms their mind. But I tell you of a truth today, Brother Garcia, there's a little bit of Solomon in every one of us. It may not overwhelm our entire mind, Sheila, but there are memories that we have sometimes that we cling to that we would be better off if we could picture that chalkboard erasing. If we could picture those things being written down. In fact, if we got out a legal pad and even burned it in the backyard with a little lighter fluid, we might look weird to the neighbors. We might need to pull a burn permit to do it. But if we could get rid of some of the things that we hold on to, Mary, it would help us. Because everybody has some areas in their life that they remember in too much detail. Everybody has some circumstances where we remember too much. Past mistakes and sins. Stupid, ignorant, foolish things that we have done. If only I had done this, if only I hadn't done that. There's a little bit of Solomon that goes down that trail and haunts us to where we think yesterday is always going to determine today and it's going to cancel tomorrow because we can't get beyond what's in the rear view mirror. Past hurts that someone else has laid on you. If only he had just done this. If only she just hadn't said that. I stand before you today not preaching theory, but in my own life there have been circumstances where I have hurt others and where others have hurt me. And if I cling to those memories and I hold on to that memory of the past and I hold on to that version of everything and I put that front and center in front of me, I can't see where I'm going because I see where I've been. Paul. Paul gave a solution in our text today. He said, I haven't mastered everything, but I got a laser focus on one thing, Brother Mullins. It's not speaking in more tongues. Although Paul said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than any of them. He said, it's not fastings. And I've been in fastings. It's not sacrifice and suffering. And I've done my share of that. It's not even prayer. And I'm telling you to pray without ceasing. It's not even thankfulness. And I'm telling you to give thanks in all things. What I'm telling you to focus on is forgetting. He said, in essence, I've got some things that I cannot afford to be Solomon Cherisevsky about. I've got some things that I can't afford to have a great memory about. I've got to forget them. I've got to put them behind me because if I keep them in front of me, they're going to destroy me. And if I have a future in Christ, if I'm going to meet the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, I'm going to have to take the rearview mirror and I'm going to have to put it in the past. I've got to put it in its place because I've got to get to the future. I've got to get to where the Lord wants me to get. There are more people that need the gospel. There are more churches that need to be planted. There are more Timothys that need to be mentored. There are more Tituses that need instruction. There are more John Marks that need to be restored. There are more people that need healing. There are more people that need encouragement. There are more people that have that need strength. And so I can't afford to play the memory game. I can't afford to sit around like Barbara Streisand and sing the way we were because I've got to get to the way that I need to be. And I've got to have a memory that is subject to the cross of Christ. Paul, what was it like holding Stephen's coat? Holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen. What was it like, Paul, hearing the screams as you entered those homes and you took people off to jail just for worshiping Jesus? He remembered. He said, Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I remember, but I've got to put it behind me. I've got to put it where it belongs. I've got to move beyond yesterday in order that God can get me from today to where I am need to be. Paul's word is interesting for forgetting. It's a compound Greek word. And in the middle, Brother Jay, it contains the word Thanos, which is for death or for sleep. And that word that he says, the forgetting, it means, Sister Irma, to neglect something. I've got a plant that's right above our, our uh, sink in our house. And I forget to water it sometimes. I'm sorry for all you horticulturalists. I'm not perfect. I forget sometimes. And it will die down almost to the brown. But if I water it, it comes back. Let me tell you something. There are some hurts in your life that you need to stop watering. There are some experiences that you need to start neglecting. Because if you neglect things, they will die. 
But if you nurture things, they will live. And it behooves the Christian to neglect some things in his life. It behooves the Christian to neglect some memories in her life in order that those things will die. Put the past where it belongs with God. Put the past where it belongs. Confess your sins and put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. Every time you remember those sins, thank God that you now live in the righteousness of Christ. Well, you don't understand, Brother Clay. No, I don't. But he understands. And he's the one who said, you can take my righteousness and I'll take my righteousness off. And you can put it on and you can wear it as your coat because I will give you my righteousness since yours is not enough. Every time you remember your sin, remember his righteousness. Every time you remember that, put that memory with the reality of Jesus' blood that was shed for you. What about what you didn't do? What about what they did? It's time to forgive past hurts and to put them, put all of those in the hands of God's justice. Let me tell you something. Can I just be very plain right now? You are not qualified to be a judge. You are not qualified to determine what punishment needs to be meted out. I am not qualified to determine who did what to whom, when, why, wherefore, and everything else. We don't know people. We don't know their challenges. We don't know everything else. We're not qualified to be judges in the matter. What we are qualified to do is to be a witness of the reconciliatory and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. I am qualified for Satan to be under my feet. So I don't... I don't deserve to have anybody under my thumb, but I am standing in Christ and Satan can be under my feet today. For those that have hurt me, I release them to God's judgment and I release them to God's mercy. And I am compelled, Brother Garcia, by Scripture to pray for God's mercy because I've been granted mercy. I am compelled to ask God for my enemy's sake that they be redeemed. I'm compelled by that, but I'm going to release that to God because that is way above my pay grade and it's time for me to forget those things. I need to de-Solomonize those things. I need to, to be like Paul and do more forgetting and, and, and be less like Solomon and I need to do less remembering. Number two. So number one, we're going to put the past where it belongs. We're going to, we're going to release the hurts. We're going to we remember God's forgiveness for what we've done. And secondly, Fill your mind with goodness. Romans 12 and 2 said, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now don't raise your hand if you know that every now and then it'd be nice to have some of these, you know, crows. Everybody talks about renewal creams and all of them, you know, and you know, exfoliation is wrong. I don't want to be right, you know. We all would like to. We'd all like to be renewed a little bit from time. Jay, you don't know anything about that. <laughs> Alexander, you're way too young. Preston, you think you woke up handsome. But let me tell you something. There'll come a day when there's, there's not enough shape and cream in the world to you know, take all the crow's feet. You know, we'd like to be renewed in our physical appearance a little bit. And, and you're all beautiful. I'm, I'm just making a, a point here. But the truth is, we need our mind renewed a lot more then we need any skin treatment or any, any, any new clothing or something like that. We need to renew our mind in the Holy Spirit. We need to renew ourselves every day in the strength of God and what He brings to us. How about what David said? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. If you put good things in your mind, it'll push the bad things out. If you will put the benefits of God in your memory and remember the thing. If you have anxiety, if you're dealing with... And, and I don't, I don't want to minimize any circumstance that you're facing. But let me tell you, if you're struggling with anxiety and you're struggling with depression, it might be a good thing. Just get you out a piece of paper and start writing down some good things that God has done for you. And I'm not saying everything will go away, but I'm going to tell you something. If you put those good things in and you begin to meditate on those things and you open up your mouth and begin to thank the Lord for those things, I promise you, your emotions will change a little bit and, 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 and things will, will, will you, you'll begin to meditate on how how good God is. Finally, brethren, whatever things are, are pure, lovely, good report, virtue and praise. If there be any virtue, think on these things. We neglect the hurts of the past. We neglect the things that we've given to God to take care of. We let them die. But this word for think on these things, Jim, it actually means to calculate like you're adding it up. 
We need to focus, Mary, on the goodness of God. We need to, remember that song, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It's an old song, but it's a good one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. See. He's already done it. But sometimes we're walking around thinking, oh man, what I did yesterday was so awful. Oh, what I had done to me 3,000 years ago was so terrible. Oh, I can't. Oh, I'm never going to get over this. The the devil's not going to allow me to get by with that. Oh, God's going to hate me because of what? Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. Can you remember? And we walk around blinded to what God has done because we become Solomon and we remember too much. Paul would urge us today as Christians. Forget those things that are behind you. Neglect those things. Open up your eyes to what the Lord has already done in your life. The faithfulness that He's already done. Because He's going to do it again and again and again and again. He's going to keep His promises. He's going to take you to where you need to go. You're going to make heaven your home if you will stay with the Lord. Would you stand with me today? The man who remembered too much, Solomon, was the man who remembered too much. Solomon Shereshevsky. God rest his soul. I hope he found the Lord. I hope he found peace with God in his life. But he suffered because he couldn't forget. And I'm pleading with you today. I'm pleading with you today. Remember the things of God. And let the other stuff go. You can't change it. If you've got somebody you need to apologize to, by all means, do it. If you've got something you need to repent of, by all means, I urge you. I'd get on my knees today and beg you. Do it. But once you've done that, you've done all you can do. And you've got to leave the past with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you've got to leave your present with the Lord who is with you today. Let's just lift our hands right now. And let's ask the Lord to be Lord of our minds.